Well, it was about two years ago that as leaders, we first highlighted to the church the work of Azalea. Now, for those of you who don't know, Azalea is a charity based in Luton that reaches out and serves women who are caught up in commercial sexual exploitation. And sadly, this is a work that's very much on the increase in the centre of Height Wycombe. In fact, it's right on the doorstep of our own town centre site in Desborough Road. And as a church, we want to be very intentional. We want to be intentional about being God's light for these very vulnerable women. So back in November 2018, we raised seed funding to help establish a new work. And the next step for us now in getting this work up and running is to employ an operations manager. And the operations manager role is to build teams, to raise funds for the work and to set up an infrastructure that will allow us to offer women pathways, pathways out of exploitation, out of addiction, as well as a route to experience the love of Jesus in very personal and practical ways. And I'm absolutely delighted that Joanna MacDonald is our new operations manager. And in a moment, we're going to talk a little bit about her life, her faith, and importantly, what her hopes are for this new role and this new work. So, Joanna, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Just as a little bit of background, you were born in England. You moved up to Scotland with your family at the age of 11. You grew up going to church with the rest of your family. And in fact, your dad trained to be a vicar whilst living up in Scotland. Uh, After school, you went to university in Edinburgh, where you met your wonderful husband, Craig. But once university was over... You were determined to do something very different, something practical, something completely non-academic. So what was that? What was it you decided to do straight away after university had finished? So I decided to take a year and work with adults with learning disabilities. Um, It was an organisation run by my church um, who looked after men and ladies, but ladies in the the place where I worked um, with learning disabilities. It was a residential setting. So I helped to look after six women aged between kind of, well, maybe in their 20s up to around their 50s. Um, So I did that for a a year. So there you are, you're working with with six women, you're just fresh out of university. So what was the type of work that you were expected to do? It was very hands-on. It was a lot of practical work. It was looking after the house and cleaning and cooking for the ladies, um, personal care as well, and then um, social stuff. So we would go out for picnics or take the ladies into town for coffee, um, just really trying to facilitate life for them uh, as best we could. And was that something you initially felt comfortable with? I mean, just coming out of an academic environment into very much a care environment. How did you cope with that yeah I think coming out of you know straight out of my degree you sort of think well I've done that I can cope with anything but actually it was quite hard um you're suddenly in a real life situation with real life people who are vulnerable and you are responsible for looking after them day to day and I found that really hard um it felt like a lot of responsibility for kind of a new graduate with not a lot of life experience um 
So it was difficult. And also, I think there are practical things that you know that you need to help your women with. But there's also a lot of emotional stuff that goes along with their situation. There's a loneliness that some of them really struggled with. So you're trying to get alongside people um, on that emotional level as well as helping them practically. Um, So it was difficult, but it was a really valuable time. I prayed a lot through that year because I felt quite out of my depth and perhaps ill-equipped for the job. But I had a fantastic team of people who kind of inducted me and were patient with me and trained me up. Um, Women with real experience and insight into the lives of the ladies we were looking after. So that was amazing. And really, I felt God's equipping through that year. I remember there was one particular lady who I found quite difficult to relate to, difficult to communicate with. Um, I have to remember that I was a complete stranger who had suddenly appeared in their home trying to look after them, but they didn't know me. So it was quite tough at one point. And I remember asking God, you know, you just have to give me the love that I need, particularly for this one lady that I was struggling with. And I remember going to work one day and just seeing this lady and feeling overwhelming love for her and compassion for her and desire to bless her. And I really, I know that that was God's love and not my own. So he really, you know, he came through for me in practical ways during that year. It was amazing. So it sounded like it was a, it was quite a challenging year, quite a tough year. So uh, what did you do next? Something nice and easy? (laughs) I, um... I went to Nepal to teach for six months. Um, So the reason was Craig was doing his medical elective uh, out there. So I I basically looked for a a way to to go with him. Um, So I did a teaching English as a foreign language qualification with the hope of getting TEFL work out there. And I contacted a couple of mission organisations to say, have you got any work? And one of them came back and said, oh, we really need a science teacher for our English speaking school. So I replied and said, well, you know, I'm an arts graduate. I'm not sure I'm really qualified to do that. And they said, no, 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 you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You've got science, um, chemistry higher. You'll be okay." So I went out um, as a science teacher in the English speaking school. I taught children in the kind of lower end of secondary school basic science, read it in the evening and taught it in the morning. And I also worked as a hostel assistant. So the the mission organisation uh, ran a hostel in Kathmandu for children whose parents were um, kind of frontline missionaries working out in the rural areas of Nepal and the kids stayed in Kathmandu in order to go to this school. So I worked there and I taught as well. So you mentioned it was a really, really multicultural environment, missionary kids from lots of, 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 of different backgrounds and cultures. What did you find so energising about working with people from across so many different cultures? Um, it just, it really felt like a privilege to be there at all. Um, obviously, it's just, well, I hadn't, I hadn't been out of Europe before, so it was a very, very new experience. So that was quite thrilling in itself. It was a shock to see how people live and you realise the number of things we take for granted in this country most of the time. Um, It was amazing being in such an international environment because everybody brings their own things, their own cultural way of doing things and you learn to work together and live together. Um, And it was quite humbling as well, I would say, um, being with people who hadn't just 
taken six six months out to go to Kathmandu, but actually had committed their their lives. You know, they were they were there for the long haul. Families who'd taken their kids to live out there. Um, really, just an amazing commitment from some of the missionary families that I worked with. So it was a real privilege, really, to be there in lots of on lots of levels. And we went uh, trekking, which was absolutely amazing, phenomenal scenery, obviously. And Craig and I got engaged while we were there as well. Wonderful. Um, it seems actually that you thrive on compassion-based work, like the care work that you did in Edinburgh and then working in Nepal, uh, teaching secondary age school children. What, what do you get out of doing work like this? I think um, both those opportunities, it really felt like a privilege to be in both of those places, to be honest, um, as somebody who didn't feel that qualified on either occasion. But I think if there's a if there's a need there and, and other people have confidence that you can help meet that need, that's that's amazing. I find that very motivating to be able to try and meet a need when it's there. And really just felt like God opened both those doors and I was really lucky to be there. So after Nepal, you got married. That was two years having left uh, university. And then you decided that you probably needed a proper career. And you apply to join the civil service on their graduate fast stream. So how did God show up then? Yeah, so I, yes, I decided I should get a proper job. I prayed a lot about that and asked God for this particular job. I was attracted to a kind of service-oriented career, hence the civil service. Um, So I really felt like he enabled me to, to step into that. I worked for the Scottish executive for a few years And I quite quickly realised that actually what I would really like to do is work in development. So really focusing that service towards the the neediest people, the poorest people. I decided that perhaps that was what I really wanted to do for a career. So I looked into international development jobs and actually didn't get anywhere. Um, But then, so Craig and I were married at this time. Craig uh, got a job down here. Um, So we planned to move from Edinburgh down to High Wycombe. Um, And at that stage, I contacted the Department for International Development and said, um, you know, I'm I'm a civil servant. I'm on the fast stream. We're moving to London. I'd really love to work for you. And they said yes. Then they found a job for me. So, again, I really felt God's hand in that because it's not, you know, there's a lot of people who want to work in DFID. And I really felt like I was just the door was opened. Yeah. So I really saw his his faithfulness again in that way. So DFID is the Department for International Development. Um, And so you worked there. That was your next step. And you had a variety of different roles within DFID. And through all those different roles, how do you think God has shown up for you at DFID? And how have you seen him move? I think there's a few different ways. I mean, I think mostly just very day to day, he's strengthened me for the roles that I've stepped into. So I have moved around a lot, um, probably a new post each year. Um, It's been a different kind of challenge. So more of an intellectual challenge again, working with some phenomenally uh, expert, knowledgeable, amazing people and moving from one policy area to another. I found that challenging and I feel that God's really enabled me to to do that. Um, I've been privileged to go overseas a couple of times just for short stints 
Um, so again, really saw God at work. We spent a few months in Bangladesh and a few months in South Africa. And just um, what was most amazing about those times really was going into churches in those places and being welcomed in and experiencing God's family in different places. It really transformed the time that we spent away because we were part of a church community in both places. So that was a, an enormous blessing. And it reminds me as well how important welcome is. Um, I think when you have the opportunity to go and worship somewhere else and you're a, a newcomer and a stranger and you get that welcome, it's just amazing. So I'm really, I'm really glad that King's does that as well. Um, and it was a reminder of the importance of it. Um, I have one friend who I met in the civil service who has become a Christian, which is amazingly exciting. So yeah, saw God at work in various different ways, but probably um, rather than me doing mission in the civil service, I feel like he poured into me actually and uh, gave me favour and opportunities and yeah, as I say, strengthened me for the work that he called me to at that at that time. So whilst you're at Difford in the civil service, you take maternity leave, you have uh, two daughters and then you realise there's an opportunity for you to have a career break and you take three years out. And I know you really wanted to make the most of that time. So what did you do in that three-year break? Yeah, it was just amazing to be able to take um, a career break. Again, so privileged to be able to do that. So I did, what I initially did was the school run because I didn't want my little four-year-old to be um, in wraparound care uh, loads and loads. So I did a lot of school drop-offs and pick-ups Um, So I wanted to be there for that. And it was great to be able to be. But it also gave me an opportunity to kind of focus a bit more locally. So I did get involved in school stuff. I um, helped run prayer spaces in the kids school and messy church as well, did reading and some trips and things like that. Um, I was able to volunteer with Christians Against Poverty a little bit, which is just an amazing organisation, helping people here in High Wycombe who are struggling with debt. Um, Yeah, and I really enjoyed um, focusing on some local things and being able to get stuck in locally. It was a real, real blessing to be able to do that. So then you go back to Diffid, you pick up your work there, and suddenly the Azalea journey starts. Um, How did that come about in terms of you starting to think about getting involved with Azalea? So speaking to Catherine, really, speaking to Catherine Lodge, um, Catherine um, talked one morning, I think, at King's about Azalea, about starting a home group. And the thing that she said that I think really struck me was she felt that if Jesus was walking around physically in High Wycombe today, he would be spending time with uh, the women who are caught in commercial sexual exploitation because we know that he sought out the poorest and the most vulnerable and he has a heart for the for the poorest people. So I think Catherine saying that was what really spoke to me and, and has stayed with me um, since then. So that kindled an interest for you. So what were your next steps after that? So I joined Catherine's home group um, that's, that was set up to pray for the women in High Wycombe. 
Um, so that has just been great to pray with um, people with such a heart of compassion for these women, people who are um, in contact with the women through various agencies or medical services or whatever, and also people from different churches across High Wycombe. Really great to just come together and lift up um, these vulnerable vulnerable women to God and to see the heart there is to help them in High Wycombe. Thank you. Well, you also did some training with Azalea at their Luton headquarters. Um, what for you were some of the key highlights from doing that training? Yeah, so I did the Azalea training in order to try and be equipped to um, to help um, set something up in Wickham. Um, so really, I think primarily it's just a lovely space that they have at the drop-in in in Luton. It was really great to just see the space. Um, There's an amazing atmosphere of welcome there, which we experienced even just as, um, you know, people coming to the training. Um, But that was really special. They've got a really kind of homely space that they have. So there's um, facilities for washing and showers and things like that. There's lots of cups of tea and cake. Um, The women can access food and stuff that they need there. So it was great to see all of that and just how, what a lovely environment it is. Um, It helped me to visualise, you know, what Azalea offers to the women on a practical level. But there's also a kind of um, creative space where the women can kind of make things and there's a prayer room. So it's, it's really covered in prayer. (laughs) Clearly it's, it's saturated in prayer and that really came through from the visit that we did there for the training. Um, it also was quite challenging doing the training because it brings home just some of the shocking realities that the women are facing and made me a lot more aware of that, I guess. Um, and also the complexity of the issues that they're facing. We did one exercise, which was to do with praying for, we took a character in the Bible and thought about how we would pray for, for example, Abraham and Isaac, and just did bring home the complexity and even the complexity of praying into some of these situations and just how completely reliant are we are we are on God to to do any good in those situations from those those stories of women's lives change was there one particular testimony from that training that stood out for you and underlined for you that this work really can turn lives around for the better There was a story that one of the volunteers told about um, coming across a lady who was working behind a supermarket checkout and this and it turned out to be one of the women whom she had helped through Azalea and just that total transformation of the woman's life. She was living a new life, had a new job. Um, Yeah, just the real transformation was just amazing to hear about. But I think as much as it's exciting to hear those stories, I was probably just as inspired by um, the way that Azalea was able to get alongside women who were on that journey. So it's not just about, it is about seeing lives transformed, but it's also just about the encouragement that they offer the women along the way, you know, where they're at. They meet 
Azalea meets the women where they're at and they can offer that company and support in practical ways and a listening ear, cups of tea um, to people who just don't have anyone to advocate for them or any, you know, many people that they can trust. So just that relationship really along the way really inspired me. So I guess the question quite a few of us will be asking is, when do you start? And when you start, what are you going to be doing? Yes. So I start on Monday, the 20th of April. So tomorrow. And in terms of what I'll be doing, I will let you know. (laughs) Um, I think it's going to become clear in the coming days and weeks. So obviously, I'll be talking a lot to Ruth Robb, who runs Azalea Luton, Um, we've heard from her at King's before. She's an amazing lady. So we will be in very close contact with, with Luton, especially, um, you know, in, well, all along really. Um, so we'll be talking in detail to her. We'll be reaching out to some of the agencies and things working in High Wycombe who already helped to support the women and building on some of the brilliant links that Catherine has already made with a lot of people in this town and then also reaching out to people in other churches and other Christians who have a heart to to help these women as well so I'll um I'll let you know about the details those are the broad strokes you'll let us know once you know know. yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well I know that you've got a passion for this work uh so can you just share very briefly what it is what 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 are your heart and vision for this work in terms of its key activities here in High Wycombe? So what we want is to open up a drop-in like the one in Luton. We want to offer a safe space to the women who are caught in sexual exploitation, who are working on the streets. We want to offer really a, a sanctuary for them where they can be safe, um, have time out of the lives that they lead. We want to offer practical support in the way of food and tea and lots of cake. Um, want to offer a listening ear, really, um, and just to be able to get alongside the women where they're at, I think. Um, really, we want to demonstrate the love of God to them in whatever way we can. Um, obviously, the drop-in is not there yet, so We'll be looking at how we go about setting that up, particularly in the current circumstances. But also we'll be thinking about how we reach out to the women in the meantime who are on the streets um, and just finding practical ways to bless them and demonstrate the love of God. Well, Joanna, thank you so much. It's been really great to talk to you. And um, one thing I'd really love to do now is to pray for you. And then we're going to go into some worship. And after that, then you're going to pray for us as a church, because there's no doubt that this work, this Azalea work, we wanted to have fundamental change on the women that we're going to be serving. But we want to be changed as a church, too. And so you're going to be praying for us as a church. So, Joanna, can I pray for you now on behalf of the church? We want to see God mightily move in this work. So church, join me with me now as I pray. Well, Lord, we are so thrilled. We are so thrilled at what you're about to do. We feel that we're on the cusp of something powerful and life-changing and town-changing. And we know this. We know that we need you. 
And I pray for Joanna that she would be filled mightily with the Holy Spirit, filled with love for the women that we wish to serve, love for the team and love for this town. And I pray, as it says in Hebrews 13, 21, that Heavenly Father, you would equip Joanna with everything good for doing your will and that her work for Azalea would delight and thrill you. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would bring a great team around Joanna, those who would support her in this work, who would inspire her and be great fun to have around. And Lord, we also pray for the family. We pray for the whole family, for Craig and Amelia and Eloise, that you would protect, encourage and refresh them. We pray that you knit them closely together. And we ask that the love of Jesus Christ would be both foundational and central in their family. And finally, we, we ask for this. We ask for a good first week. There's only ever one first week. I pray it would be a really good one. There's only ever one first day tomorrow. And I pray it would be a great day. Lavish tomorrow and the rest of the week with encouragements and your approval. And we pray that we would see things way beyond what we can imagine or dream for, for this wonderful work and for Joanna. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. <laughs> 